Okay, let's get into our Bible study for this morning. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. We want to continue with our Bible study here in the book of Genesis, chapter 37. We started this a few weeks ago, and uh, we want to just continue to break this down. And I hope all of you had a wonderful 4th of July celebration yesterday. Again, I know that it was really limited because of everything that's going on. But we did the best that we could, and hopefully you had a great, great time with your families yesterday. Let's pray for the reading of God's Word here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm thankful, Lord God, because the house of the Lord is full, Lord God. And uh, basically, Lord God, we've maxed out with all of the requirements and all of the separation rules and all the guidance that we have here. And I thank you, God, for all those that took the step of faith and came to church here this morning to fellowship and to be a part of the body and the services here today. We thank you for the worship and the praise that we offered to you here this morning, Lord God, as a corporate body. We pray that, Lord God, you will accept it and that it will be a blessing to you. And now we pray, Father, for this part of the service. We pray that you would bless the reading of your word, anointed, give it life. Lord God, I pray for myself that you will help me, Father, to communicate effectively, that you would organize my thoughts and my words, and that you, Lord God, would touch the hearts of those that are listening, either presently, personally here, physically in the church, or those that are listening through our live services, Lord God, online services. Bless and anoint and encourage them. Help them, Lord God, not to be distracted. Help them at home not to be uh, in any way, shape, or form uh, distracted by anything that's going on. Help them to focus, Lord, to focus on your word here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Now God's people said, amen. Very good. Okay, let me read this story here. Starting in Genesis chapter 37, I'm going to read starting at verse number 12. The Bible says this. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Now we've been looking at this section of scripture for those of you that have been with us the past few weeks in the book of Genesis. And we're looking at the life of a young man by the name of Joseph. And we know that Joseph was one of 12 sons that were born to Jacob. One of the main points that I want to make is that Joseph's situation is almost the complete opposite of David, who later on became the first king of Israel, or the second king of Israel. We studied about David a couple of months ago. Remember, David was the neglected son of his father, while Joseph was the favorite son of his father. We learned that Joseph is 17 years of age, just a teenager, probably right out of high school. 
or maybe his last senior year of high school. Joseph was part of a blended family. Joseph is the favorite son of Jacob. Joseph and his family were foreigners or immigrants, and they lived in a pagan land full of evil influence and evil pressure. Joseph is a young man that feared God and chose the way of righteousness, and he rejected the ways and the lifestyles of the peoples around him. We learn that Joseph even refused to give in to the demands and the ways of his own brothers that chose his own brothers chose the ways of compromise and carnality and worldliness and rebellion and disobedience and sin but instead of participating in their sin and being part of their madness joseph chose to not only avoid it but expose it joseph received a beautiful coat of many colors from his dad and because of all these things the bible says that joseph's 10 older brothers were jealous of joseph joseph's 10 older brothers were envious of Joseph, and Joseph's ten older brothers actually hated their own brother, Joseph. Now, Joseph also was blessed because he experienced having two dreams that were divine dreams. We talked about those last week. Dreams that came from Almighty God. And we learned last week that in the last days, those of us who are children of God will also experience dreams and visions from God. We read in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens, in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is what's going to be going on in the last days. God's going to be pouring out his spirit and we're going to have visions and we're going to have dreams. And God's going to be speaking to his church. There's going to be a powerful anointing on the church. And these divine experiences will be experienced when the world that we live in will be hostile and will reject the things and the ways of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, the Bible also tells us another issue about what's happening in the last days. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So we learned last week that there's going to be two counteracting forces, the anointed, powerful church of God and the rebellious and the dark and evil days that are going to be around us in our culture, in our world. In the last days, those who truly want to follow Christ and live for Christ will have to be very strong and be willing to face harsh harsh opposition. How many of you love Jesus right now enough to face some harsh opposition? Do any of you love Jesus that much here today? I hope you do, church. I hope you do. we got to get stronger, not weaker, okay? So we're going to continue now in the study of Joseph by reading Genesis chapter 37, verses 12 through 20 again. It says this. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, 
As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring back word to me. And bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So now the situation gets even worse for Joseph. Not only does the Bible tell us that Joseph's ten ten brothers uh, were jealous of Joseph, not only does the Bible tell us that Joseph's ten older brothers are envious of Joseph, not only does the Bible tell us that Joseph's ten older brothers have hated or have hatred toward Joseph, but now in verses 18 through 20, we learn that Joseph's ten older brothers are now plotting to kill Joseph. They're going to kill him. And so now begins a series of very sad events in the life of Joseph. Let's read how things begin to unravel or fall apart in Joseph's life. And for this, we want to go to Genesis chapter 37, starting at verse 20. Let's continue to read. It says here in Genesis 37, verse 20, it says, Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, the brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him, 
Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So let's see what has happened so far. I'd like for you uh, to put that map up there for me so, so we could show this map, please. Now, if we look at this map, if we can get it to come up here, all right, we're going to see that in Genesis chapter 37, verse 14, the Bible tells us that Joseph, Jacob and Joseph are in the valley of Hebron, okay? Now, those of you that are in the back probably can't see this, but Hebron is way down here in the south below Jerusalem. There's Jerusalem, and here's Hebron. I'm sorry I don't have a pointer, okay? But Hebron is there to the south, okay? So the Bible tells us that Jacob and Joseph are in the valley of Hebron. That's where they were living. That's the area that the family was living in. Jacob sends his son Joseph to Shechem, which is north of Jerusalem, north of Bethel. And then you see a little star there that shows us where Shechem is. This is all in the current nation of Israel today. So now Joseph goes to Shechem to find his brothers and see if they are okay because dad wants to make sure that they're fine. Why does dad want to make sure that they're fine? Because remember, they're living in a pagan land. They're living in hostile territory. At any moment, these people that are living in this land could turn on them and wipe out the whole family. So how many of you understand? They needed God to protect them. Can you say amen, church? They were dependent on God for everything. It was just them and only them in this foreign country. So dad wanted to make sure that they were doing okay. So Joseph goes to Shechem to see if his brothers are there. Joseph arrives at Shechem and does not find his brothers. But a stranger tells Joseph that his brothers went to Dothan, which is here on this map, which is north of Shechem. Okay, so this is where Joseph ends up. And Dothan, which is in the part, northern part of Israel today. Joseph leaves Shechem, finds his brothers in Dothan. His brothers plot together to kill Joseph. And while they decide whether to kill him or not, they throw him into a deep pit. And we also discover that his oldest brother Reuben wanted to save his life. And while he's in that deep pit, his brothers are so cold-blooded that they enjoy a nice meal together while their brother is in that cistern crying for mercy and crying for help. Then instead of killing him, they sell Joseph as a slave to some Ishmaelites that were on their way to Egypt. Remember, Ishmael was the, for those of you that study the Bible, those of you Bible scholars out there, remember, Ishmael was the other son of Abraham. Abraham and Hagar got together. They had a son named Ishmael. They became the Ishmaelites, okay? And so in a sense, God used them to save Joseph's life. So let's continue this story. And now we're going to go to Genesis chapter 39 because we're going to see what happens here. In Genesis chapter 39. It says here in Genesis chapter 39, I'm going to start reading at verse number 1. It says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So in that previous map that we saw, we saw how in Dothan, the brothers sold him to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites traveled down south along the coast there to the nation of Egypt where they traded Joseph away and sold him as a slave to a man named Potiphar. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered 
and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. Than, than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So now, the Ishmaelites sell Joseph to an Egyptian named Potiphar. Joseph went from being a favorite son to a slave in Egypt. Then Potiphar's wife wants to rape Joseph, but Joseph doesn't let her. And so Potiphar's wife gets really mad because she's been rejected. And she turns things around and she tells her husband that Joseph wanted to rape her when she was the one that actually wanted to rape Joseph. And so Potiphar sends Joseph to prison, even though Joseph did absolutely nothing wrong. How many of you know that Joseph was having a bad day. Can you say amen? He loved the Lord. He was following the Lord. He did all the right things, but he was having a bad day. Why did these negative and painful events seem so unfair and unjust 
and undeserved and hurtful and even dangerous because Joseph was a righteous man. How many of you would agree that it doesn't seem fair that somebody who is seeking after righteousness, somebody who is seeking after God, somebody who is seeking after God's favor, it doesn't seem fair that he would have to go through such a drama. How many of you would agree with that? Can you say amen? But yet, here he is, a man of God, a young man, a teenager, wanting to serve God, wanting to do what was right, wanting to be obedient, making the right decisions, and instead of things going good, things are going from bad to worse. And now he's in prison. Joseph had no ill feelings in his heart toward his brothers. Joseph had no hidden agenda, nor was he intent on trying to disrespect his brothers. And yet, all of these things, all of these terrible things are happening to Joseph. Now, I want to let you know something, church. In the last days, you and I, as God's people, we may have to go through some tough times. We may have to go through some unjust situations. We may have to go through some tough and hard and difficult things. But we need to stay faithful to Jesus no matter what. Can you say amen, church? Are you willing to stand strong for the Lord, even in tough times, even when things are harsh and unjust and unrighteous and, and, and people are picking on you or, or things are happening that are not right? Are you willing to still stand up for God and do what's right? That's what Joseph had to do. And that's our challenge even today. Here is a lesson for today. The Bible story, this Bible story gives us a picture of how evil and depraved the human heart can become. Because of the evil and sin in the heart of someone else, this in this case being Joseph's brothers, Joseph ended up in a deep, dark pit. Because of the evil and sin in the heart of someone else, Joseph ended up being sold out and betrayed. Because of the evil and sin in the heart of someone else, Joseph ended up losing his family. He ended up losing his dad. He ended up going away from his mom. He ended up going away from his brothers. He ended up going away from his home. He ended up going away or leaving or taking away everything that was familiar to him. He was taken out. Because of the evil and sin in the heart of someone else, Joseph ended up a slave or in bondage. Because of the evil and sin in the heart of someone else, Joseph ended up in prison. Because of the evil and sin in the heart of someone else, Joseph almost ended up dead. Even though Joseph was righteous, even though Joseph was seeking God, even though Joseph was obeying God, he almost ended up dead as a result of it. Question. Did God know that Joseph's brothers hated him? Did God know that Joseph's brothers were going to want to kill him? Did God know that Joseph's brothers would throw Joseph into a pit? Did God know that the Ishmaelite traders would pass, cross paths with Joseph's brothers? Did God know that Joseph's brothers would end up selling him to the slave traders? Did God know that Joseph would end up a slave in Egypt? Did God know that Joseph would end up being falsely accused of rape? Did God know that Joseph would end up in prison in Egypt? To all of these answers, the, que- the, the answer to all of these questions is yes. God knew ahead of time what was going to happen to Joseph and what his brothers were up to. The devil was using Joseph's brothers. Let me say that again. The devil was using Joseph's brothers and their jealousy, their envy, their hatred, their murderous spirit, and their evil and their sin to try to destroy Joseph's life. That's what the devil does. 
That is his job description. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says this, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then Jesus says something that is phenomenal. He says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. The question is, who are you following here today? Who are you being influenced by here today? The, de- the brothers were being influenced by the devil while Joseph was being influenced by God. And the enemy thought that he was doing a great job. But the enemy didn't realize that he was falling right into the plan of God for Joseph. Now, Joseph didn't see it. Joseph didn't understand it. Just like when you lose your job and you're trying to follow God and you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to, to be obedient and you're, and you're trying to live righteously and yet you lose your job. Maybe on the surface it looks really bad and it looks really dark and it looks really bleak and it looks really unfair. But you know what? God has a plan and he's helping you to get to that plan. There's a purpose. Even though it seems that things are going crazy and they're wrong and they're dark and they're all messed up, it doesn't matter. God is with you and he's going to take you to where he wants you to go. It's hard to see that. It's hard to understand that. It's hard to experience that. But just know that God has a plan. So even though the devil was trying really hard to kill Joseph, guess what, church? The Bible tells us over and over again that God was with Joseph. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, it says this, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Even though he was in bondage, even though he was a slave, even though he was in a foreign land, even though he was all by himself, it didn't matter. God was with him and God blessed him for it. In Genesis chapter 39, verses 22 and 23, So the warden, the prison warden, put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Listen to me. If you are following Jesus and you stay close to Jesus, even if you are in prison, God's going to bless you. But now I want to switch things up a little bit. You see, sometimes you and I can be the ones who are evil and have sin in our hearts. You may be sitting here right now, and in your mind you're saying, I don't want to serve God. I don't want to do what God tells me to do. I don't want to follow the Bible. I want to do my own thing. I want sin and rebellion to rule my heart. There, you may be sitting here right now in this church. You may be watching me right now on these, on this media, these media, media channels. And you're saying to yourself, I don't need God. I don't even want God because you have evil and you have sin in your heart. But listen to this. Because of the evil and sin in our own hearts, we can find ourselves in a deep, dark pit and in a slippery place that we can't pull ourselves out of. And we put, and you know what? We have no one to blame except ourselves because we put ourselves there. Right now, you may be having a good time. Right now, it may seem like things are okay. Right now, it may seem like you've escaped with your life and there's no harm and there's no consequences. But believe me, if you keep evil and you keep sin in your heart and you keep living like that, eventually, it's all going to catch up. Because of evil and sin in our own hearts, we can find ourselves being sold out and betrayed and abandoned and forsaken and alone. 
And we did it to ourselves because we burned so many of our friends and we burned so many of our loved ones that were trying to help us. Because of the evil and sin in our own hearts, we can find ourselves in bondage, addicted, in chains and shackles, in handcuffs, and we did it to ourselves. Because of the evil and sin in our own hearts, we end up losing our marriage or our children or our home or our job. And even our parents and brothers and sisters turn their backs on us. And we did it to ourselves. Because of evil and sin in our own hearts, we can find ourselves in prison or in jail or in juvenile hall. And, and, we, and guess what? And there is no easy way to say this, but sometimes because of evil and sin in our own hearts, we can find ourselves with an STD or with hepatitis or needing a transplant or maybe even dead. And you know what? It's our own fault. Because we want to push God away. And we want to do our own thing. But I want you to know that even if you find yourself in a horrible place in your life right now, if you are still breathing, if you still have life in you, even though you may be in a hospital bed and struggling to stay alive, you may be out in the streets struggling to stay alive, you may be out there all messed up, striving, struggling to stay alive, maybe you OD'd and your heart is still pumping and you're struggling to stay alive, there is hope. I want you to know as long as you have breath in your lungs, there is still hope for you. There is hope in God. Acts chapter 2 verse 21 says this, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13, in case you don't get it, it says it again. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in case you don't get it, it says it again in the Bible. In Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14 says, Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. If you are messed up, up, if you are trapped, if you are in a difficult situation, if you're going through a hard time, if you're tired of your sin, if you're tired of the evil of your heart, if you're tired of your old ways that are taking you right straight to hell, then go to God, cry out to God, and he says, I will save you. That's God's promise. Psalm chapter 80, verse 3 says, it says it in verse 3, it says it in verse 9, and it says it in verse 19. It says it in Psalm 80, verse 3, Psalm chapter 80, verse 7, and Psalm chapter 80, verse 19. It says the same thing. It repeats itself. Restore us, O God. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. God can take your messed up, tore up life, and he can restore you. He can restore you. You can look cute again. You can look handsome again. Right now you don't look any you don't look good but God can help you to look better. Psalm 18:3 I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. I want to encourage all of you here today in the same way that God was able to rescue Joseph, God is able to rescue you and me who, who today are choosing to trust in the Lord. If you are choosing to trust in the Lord here today, can you shout hallelujah? Say it again. Hallelujah. One more time. Hallelujah. You are trusting in Jesus. 
Even though things are going terribly wrong around us, it doesn't matter. Our God is able. Our God is able to rescue us from those that are jealous of us. Our God is able to rescue us from those that are envious of us. Our God is able to rescue us from those that hate us and reject us. Our God is able to rescue us from those that are trying to plan uh, and, and trying to destroy us. Our God is able to rescue us from those that want to kill us and harm us. Our God is wanted to rescue us, able to rescue us from the deep pit. Our God is able to rescue us from slavery, bondage, addiction, and all those slippery places. Our God is able to rescue us from ungodly passions and desires. Our God is able to rescue us from prison and injustice and things that are unfair and dangerous and even illegal. Church, I want you to know that no matter what you're going through today, our God is able. Let me say it again. Our God is able. I'm going to say it one more time. Our God is able. That's why our sister Terry Hernandez is in church here this morning because she knows that the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy her but she also know that God wants to give her abundant life. And she says, I'm going to choose life. Will you choose life today? Those of you that are watching, will you choose life? If you want life, you got to choose Jesus. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask let me read that again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I'm so used to the new King James when I read it out of another version. It tricks me here. Okay? But church, I want you to know that God is able to restore you. And he says, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to make you into someone great, someone powerful, someone anointed. I'm going to pump life into you. Why do you go after death? Why do you go after madness? Why do you go after chaos? Why do you go after darkness and destruction? Why are you choosing the way of evil and, 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 and things that are wrong? It's only going to take you to your grave. Choose life. Choose Jesus. Choose the ways of God. Listen, all that stuff that may be going on in your life, I want you to know this. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28, very powerful scripture, it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Somehow, some way, I don't know how God does it, but he can take all of our mess-ups, all of our screw-ups, all of our mistakes, all of the terrible, ugly things of our life, and he can pick all that mess up, and he can make something good out of it. I don't know how he does it, but he can, and he's the only one that can. The doctor can do it. Your parents can do it. Medicines can do it. Your school can do it. Nothing of this world can do it. you got to go to God. If you want things to get fixed in your life, you've got to go to God. But you got to surrender those things that are evil and that are wrong and that are out of order in your life. you got to get rid of that sin. Last scripture, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to encourage all of you here today. Don't give up. Don't give up. Trust in the Lord. No matter how crazy things are getting, 
Don't give up. Listen. Listen. We have to trust in the Lord. Can you say amen, church? In these last days, we have to trust in the Lord. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now, Lord, and we ask you to minister to those that are here this morning, Lord. I don't believe it's by accident that we are here. We have to make a decision, Lord. We're either going to hold on to sin or we're going to let it go. We're going to either hold on to that hatred and that anger and that rebellion or we're going to let it go and trust you and repent. We're either going to hold on to our pride and be arrogant and, and, and think that we can go ahead and handle our business our own way, or we're going to let it go and surrender and humble ourselves and repent and come to you, Lord. It has to be one or the other. We're either going to be like Joseph's brothers or we're going to be like Joseph. I pray for our sakes, Lord, that we would humble ourselves and that we would repent that we would acknowledge our sin, that we would ask you to heal our hearts of bitterness and anger and jealousy and envy and anything, Lord God, that is not of you. Help us, Lord God, to be healed of any brokenness or any hurt or any difficulties, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to let go of any kind of sin, Lord God, that would keep us from serving you. Help us to choose life and reject death. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand and we will pray with you. If you are not a Christian, you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You're running your own program. You're living your own life. You're doing your own thing. But you're ready to give that up. You're ready to give that up and surrender to the Lord. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand and we will pray. If you're out there listening on social media, if that's you here this morning, I want you to repeat this prayer. Say this, say, 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 say this prayer out loud with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I ask you to help me to live my life for you. I willingly surrender those things that are in my life that I know do not please you and that are sin. I give them up to you, Lord. But I need your help. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. Take over my life. I want to live in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to pray for all you Christians out there, all of you here in the church, all of you who are saying, I'm trying to live for the Lord. I want to do what's right for God. I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want to have my life a life of righteousness. I'm not perfect, but I really want to strive to do the best that I can. I want to stay away from those things and those situations that I know God is not pleased with. I want my heart to be right with God. I don't want it to be filled with anger and rage and all kinds of madness and chaos and darkness. No, I want my heart to be right. You know what's amazing about Joseph? Even though all this crazy stuff was happening to him, his heart was always right before God. 
And we need to ask God to help us to have that same kind of attitude, that same kind of heart, that even when things are going bad, even when people are being nasty to us, that God will give us a good heart. So I want to pray for all of us who are Christians that God will help us to stay right and healthy before the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will touch our minds and our hearts right now as your people, Lord God. Help us not to get caught up with fear and anxiety and depression and anger and hatred and all these negative, dark emotions. Help us to keep our eyes and focus on you. Help us, Lord God, to be at peace, to be at peace with ourselves and with you. Touch your people. Encourage them. Encourage all of us, Lord God. Help us to stay faithful to you no matter how tough things may get. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, and everyone said, Amen.